Getting older sucks, but midlife doesn't have to. I'm your host, Caroline Fardig, here to bring a weekly hour of fun to the middle children of society, Gen Xers. Together, we'll navigate midlife like it's 1999. Welcome to the wrong side of 40. Welcome back to The Wrong Side of 40. I'm your host, Caroline Fardig, and I'm ready to hang out again with some more awesome people. I've got two of my author friends on today, Nicole Kristoff and Lena Stagg, but we're not going to talk books. We're going to talk about the other cool stuff they do when they're not writing. My friends Kayla Ye and Jean Pace are back to talk nostalgia and sample some herbal tea. Plus, you'll get to meet my college buddy Carrie while we talk binge picks. Let's get started. Let's take a trip back to when we were all on the right side of 40. It's time for some nostalgia. All right, we are going to do some 80s and 90s nostalgia with Kayla Yeh. All right, so we're going to talk, let's see, cassettes, cassette tapes, and boom boxes. Yes. And Teddy Rexpin, and maybe go all the way into maybe the 2000s with The Simple Life. The Simple Life. The Simple Life. Oh, that's hot. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I used to watch that, too. Um, But The Simple Life, I mean, gosh, I miss it, so... I so what, oh, well, tell everybody what it is. Some 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 people might not remember or might not have watched it. Well, you're talking about the show with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie. Yes. And I was kind of referencing to the actual simple life. Oh, my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked about this life. a few minutes ago, and we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Okay, the simple life. I was like, oh, yeah, I love that. And then she's probably like, what are you talking no, about? No, 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 I've seen it. I've seen it. Okay. Yeah, right. I liked I watched it. Okay. But I thought when you asked me that, I was going to tell you about what I thought was the simple life. Okay, well, what do you think the simple life is? Well, when I think of simple life, I just think about when I was a kid and we had Saturday morning cartoons. And I remember watching like, I like country music a lot. So Mm -hmm. I remember watching the videos like on CMT. Mm -hmm. I remember listening to the country countdown and... I'd have my little boom box and I'd have my cassette ready and I'd be listening like, you know, for hours trying to get like a recording of like all my favorite songs and it would take me forever. And as soon as my favorite song would come on, I'd hit record, listen to all of it and then hit pause and then I'd wait for my next song to come Mm -hmm. on. And all the scrambling and be just like, you'd miss the first like little bit. And then it starts. Yeah. 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 Um, I really, and then, you know, if your cassette, like it, the tape comes out and you take your pencil and then you yes, got to like, that was wind the worst it back thing up. ever because yeah. it was just ruined after oh, that. Gosh, I just, miss it. Yeah. I mean, everything is so complicated now. Like that was simple. That's true. You know, That's like true. newspapers getting thrown at your door. Like who thought we'd miss newspapers? They still have newspapers, don't they? Oh, they do? <laughs> I really think they do. Well, crap. I didn't even know that anymore. So you can get one. Everything's online. You can get one thrown at your door. Oh, uh, glad. At least I think in our area you can. I'm not. I mean, you probably can. Sure. I'm not saying that they don't have them anymore, but I don't know who reads them. Old people. Oh well, I'm not there yet, Caroline. <laughs> Let me tell <laughs> yeah, you. Oh tell yeah. You that. Disclaimer: Kayla is not quite on the wrong side of forty yet. She has about six months, and then she'll be there. But she was she was way close more enough. than six months. Like at least she was six close and a half enough. Months. Yeah, six and a half months. Well, there you go. <laughs> six. So, but she can still remember cassettes. Teddy Rubskin. Teddy Rubskin. Uh-huh. Um. Did you have one? I didn't have one. Yes, I had one. No, I was more Care Bears. I had Care Bear. Yeah. But Teddy Ruxman kind of freaked me out. The talking. I mean, looking back now, it freaks me out. But yeah. then I was like, he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't always go for the talking toys. Like Baby Alive oh, scarred baby. me for Dude, life. Dude, like when Baby Alive peed. 
Mm, I didn't that like that. Me out, yeah. I didn't like that. Because they you had yellow food, you had green food, and you had red food. Yeah. Well, How about the easy it looked oven? like she was hemorrhaging when you fed her the red food, <laughs> right? I mean, that was just like <laughs> I don't think very I ever problematic. Fed her the, maybe I was my parents wouldn't let me do that because they thought it would freak me out. I don't know. I did it once and I was like, that maybe is maybe your parents did that so it would freak you out. I don't know. So, I, I feel like I was a little older though. I was just almost on the edge of too old for baby alive. I was probably oh. in fourth or fifth grade. And I, I remember I saw that and I, I said, I whispered to my mom, like, I was like very like embarrassed to say it. But I was like, it looks like she's having your period. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and my mom was like, oh my God, <laughs> stop. And then I was like, I don't think I'll need to get a refill pack of the food. Yeah. We'll just, no. just not do that part. But yeah. The messiest toy I had was the Easy Bake Oven. I never had an Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> Yeah, and to this day. I won't even get my kids one now because it was such a mess. See, and that's what my parents would were, were like. They were like, you, if you want to make something, you can actually make it and make it in the actual oven. I think they just didn't want me like making crap in the family room and getting yeah, like, cake mix all over the I place. I have cake mix in my room and getting my carpet. And I'm just like, no, my kids are not getting that. Yeah, that, that's probably yeah. it. But then I definitely bought my daughter Well, now they make slime. Well, that's true. I have had slime in... Mm. Plato, lots of places that shouldn't have had slime. That doesn't sound good. <laughs> That's true. Not me personally, but my house has had slime in places. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, Liz, my daughter still has her uh, old carpet from when she was young and did all kinds of crafts. And there's so much glue. I mean, there's like yeah. pieces of carpet that are just like stuck together. We have a room in our house where, like, if you do anything messy, it's in this room. Oh yes, we have yeah. a room like that too. But she was doing it in her bedroom and yeah. like not. Well, great. My not my youngest has it. done that and. Yeah. And she'll put a pillow over it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'll find it. I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, you do know. <laughs> See, we were we were the kids and now we're the parents. And I, I think I did the same thing. I'm like, okay, I'll just put this pillow over the spilled uh, cookie dough and mom will never know. Oh, yeah. Never. <laughs> never. She'll never figure it out. All right. So are we going to come back to the actual, the, the show, The Simple Life? I remember like cows like, and I remember. Yeah, they had to do something with cows. They... And they I had to do a lot of work, like that they, they weren't to used to. And I remember the one scene where, um, what was what was uh, Richie's name? What Nicole. Was her first name? Nicole Richie. She decided that she was going to randomly go grab a whole gallon of bleach from the back of, of this restaurant and then throw it all over this pool table. <laughs> And I thought when I watched it, I was like, "This is supposed to be unscripted," because it was like at the be- kind of the beginning ish of reality TV, where you know it was still kind of like new, and you know, right. you you really believed in the like authenticity of the reality of it. See, I was so young that I don't really remember all of it. Mm, I remember okay. bits and pieces. Yeah, you were probably like. Like 15. 20 or like okay. 12 or something. Nah, definitely not 12. Because <laughs> I was a newlywed, so you were definitely not 12. But, uh, but like, how did she know, not ever having been in that place before, it was just some random bar. Mm-hmm. She goes in this random door in the back, and just the bleach is just literally right there. And she comes and and puts it all. I'm it was thinking, scripted. It had I'm, to be. It was it had scripted. To be. Yeah, and and that was the first. I remember that was like the first time of reality TV that I You're was like, like, "That's not real. Wait a minute, this isn't reality. That's not real. I thought they were doing reality this whole time." <laughs> <laughs> and then I was kind of like, eh. "Well, now I won't even watch it because I know how scripted it is, and they do everything. You know, take twice." We went and, to Hollywood, California, mm-hmm. and I couldn't get over how how everything is so fake. No, even like, the even the actual town of Hollywood. Is like fake. it's crazy. Like 
we went to a like on a set of a supermarket, mm-hmm. and they had like bags of ice and had like bubble wrap in it. Oh, okay. And then the cheese was like shredded paper that was like the color of cheese. Oh, and it looks real on camera. The food is so gross when you actually like go like Google like what what actually they use for food or whatever. It, but it's crazy. I know. I was like, I walked away like kind of, and I saw like how they do like the green screen and like yeah. I'm like every and. Like Beverly Hills, like the, you know the big sign, the famous sign. Uh-huh. In television shows, they just change the font of that sign to uh, make it legal, and just change it up a little bit where no one can notice. It's <laughs> crazy just to make it legal, and I'm like, everything's fake. Everything, huh. everything. It's amazing. Goodness, no, I have never been out there. I've I spent a few hours in the L.A. airport one time, but I forgot. That's not. That's not I mean, you're gonna <laughs> be there. Count. Might as well just, doesn't yeah. count. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it, the. Yeah, reality reality is also not like it used to be. You know, lots of things aren't like they used to be like our our, our actual simple life. I miss it. Like, I miss like going outside and playing as a kid. Yeah. And just like not having any worries in the world, going out and playing with other kids in the neighborhood, riding your bicycle. Mm-hmm. And oh, you now- are definitely on the wrong side of 40. You are, you are entrenched in it. What? <laughs> What? That's what? Yeah, that that's 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 our thing. Is that you know, throwback to the later era. We I'm just not forty yet. Are are but but you're of the mindset. Oh yeah. no, I'm not. <laughs> She's trying to deny it. She's I'm in denial. It. That's the first stage. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, if you can remember all this stuff like Teddy Ruxpin and Care Bears and and cassette tapes, then what else was you're there? there? You're there. What else? Oh, all kinds of, well, you said Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, like, man. I mean, I could. Garfield and lasagna. Yeah. I could quote Looney Tunes verbatim. Looney Tunes. Right. Captain Planet. Is that, that is that too? Uh, Captain Planet. Oh, see, I'm, yeah. Shows my am age. Am I too old? Oh, yeah. You're too old. Oh. Okay. One more thing. Okay. Okay. Lip gloss in the little rectangular tins. Are you too young for that as well? I remember it. Okay. But I think my mom had it. Oh, dang it. So today I have Nicole Kristoff, one of my author friends here with me, and we're going to talk about her career, which is very interesting. She's, she is currently an author and a college professor, and she has been a broadcaster and just all kinds of things. And I will let her talk about it instead of me talk about it. Um, Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. This is we were talking earlier that this is the first time we've actually spoken in person. We've done so much emailing and like messaging and and everything like that and you know social media and stuff, but this is the first time we've actually like talked to each other, <laughs> which is Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Yeah, I kept thinking we might run into each other at a conference, and that hasn't happened yet. So yes, I was all set to go. I think to one of them in India. Now I can't remember Magna Cum Murder. Yes. Okay. So. Um, so yeah, I was ready to go to that. And then I think it was COVID and then they didn't have it. So. Yep. But they're launching it again in October, this October name. So. Oh, yeah. sweet. Okay. Well, maybe I can go this time. All right. Well, let's start off with your midlife career change and then we'll circle back around to broadcasting. Um, how and when did you get into writing? I think I've always been into writing, uh, you know, since I was a, a really little kid. Uh, one of the first, uh, things I ever did, you know, keepsake that my mom has is this little, this little like three sentence story that I dictated to her when I was about three. And, you know, yeah. And I um, would try to do short stories in high school and uh, started a novel once or twice in my twenties. And it just, you know, 
it takes some experience, I think, to write a novel. Uh, so I think I've always kind of been into writing. And then uh, I wanted to go into broadcasting. I became a broadcaster. And sometimes there is some writing involved with that. Uh, so professionally, you know, sometimes I'd be writing promos or commercials or um, the structure of a radio or television news show. Um, so, you, so there are elements of that that I would be writing. So I think I've always been a writer. It's just I haven't always um, focused on being an author. And that was the big change for me. All right. Well, cool. I, I definitely want to get back around to broadcasting. My son just switched his major to journalism in college. And I'm, I don't really know anything about it. And I'm excited to talk to somebody who's done all those things, you know, that, that go into, into journalism on the broadcasting side. I think that's very, very interesting. So, um, we'll, we'll talk out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you were starting out as an author, what is the biggest thing you had to overcome or starting off, starting out, I shouldn't say starting out. Cause you said you've done it your whole life, but like when you decided, Hey, I want to be an author, you know, that's what I want to do. Um, what was the biggest thing you had to overcome or achieve to finally feel like you were an author and not just someone who, you know, like started a book and then maybe didn't finish it or what, you know, whatever, like, what did, what did you have to do to finally feel like you were there? Right. I don't know if we ever feel like we're there, right? <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that we do, but yeah, I think finishing that first novel, you know, even if it's, you know, rough around the edges, you've, you know, that's an accomplishment, you know, 80,000 words, 90,000 words, you know, and it hangs together and it's a good story, you know, that, that, that's entertained you and maybe entertained your friends. That's an accomplishment. I think, um, I, I did win some, uh, prizes for, uh, non-published manuscripts, non-published authors. Those felt like little small accomplishments, you know, I don't mean huge accomplishments. They don't just hand those out. You know, stepping stones along the way. Um, you know, one of them paid in part for grad school for me. Um, that felt like a success. Um, you know, getting that agent, you know, a literary agent, you know, that feels like a success. Okay. Uh, and then getting, you know, getting that contract, that book contract, you know, with, with, and I know not everyone wants to go that route. Some people prefer to self-publish or, um, you know, publish with a smaller press and that's awesome. Um, and I think those things can feel like accomplishments. They certainly did for me a success. It felt like a success. But, yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's no feeling like that. That first contract. <laughs> and I don't know if we ever feel like, ta-da, you know, success. I have arrived. You know, you get that royalty check, but you know, that feels like a success, but I don't know if it's like the success. You right. Know? So Yeah. I don't so know always, if anyone feels like that. Always working towards something then definitely. Yeah. So what are uh, you've, I mean, you've pretty much answered this question, but what are out of all those things that you talked about, what are you most proud of in your writing career? Oh gosh. Uh, definitely finishing that first book. I mean, oh, definitely, yeah. finishing. you know, um, but yeah, I mean, every time you get that, you know, a, a new contract and I think getting email or, uh, having uh, interaction with readers when they come up to you at a conference, um, you know, and they, you know, after a panel and they come up to you and they say, wow, you know, I read your book. I loved your book. I love, you know, Jamie Sinclair, you know, the main character, or, you know, I love, I love Jamie Sinclair. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I've read every one of those books in that series and I love them all. That means a lot. That means a lot. they, They are fun. So, and we'll, we'll plug your books at the end, but definitely if you have not, 
gone out and gotten the Jamie Sinclair series. It's, it's so, it's fun. And it's like, there's action and adventure. I mean, it's like, it's like my thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that feels so, like a success. Yeah. To connect yeah. with someone who, who enjoys it too. That feels yeah. like a success. Yeah. So, okay. We're totally going to switch. And we're going to kind of backtrack in your life and talk about broadcasting. Um, so from, from broadcasting to teaching and being an author, was there a big switch that you were just like, okay, now I'm going to do this instead of this? Or did it come about slowly? It, it ended up being a big switch because... Uh, my husband was a military officer, a U.S. military officer. So every three years, give or take, uh, you know, the government would send him someplace else. The military would send him someplace else. So, um, you know, you have to kind of quit your job and go with. If you, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, it, you know, it was a good thing because when we would get to a new location, we'd get to a new base, um, I could look around and say, you know what, last time I worked exclusively in radio and I enjoyed it and that's what I thought I wanted to do in college, but now I think I want to do broadcast news, you know, or we'd move again and I'd think, you know, I enjoyed it. Now I think I want to work, you know, maybe with nonprofits and, and help do commercials for them, you know, or we'd move again and I'd say, you know what, I've been kicking around this idea for a novel, you know, why don't I spend my time on that while we're unpacking and getting settled in and just see where that goes. Um, so, so it was really, I think, the fact that we kept moving uh, to a new duty station that would kind of propel me to try new things and make me um, feel like I could, you know, um, try new things. And that's, that was really the catalyst for me. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I love, <laughs> I'm so funny. I, I have kind of the same crazy, like eclectic resume, <clears throat> but mine is just like, okay, now I want to do this. And I don't have like a really good reason for it. Other than I'm just like, I'm tired of this. I want to do this. <laughs> but moving, that's a great reason to do it. And just being in a new place, I think that would be so much fun and, you know, trying new things. That'd be great. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot mm -hmm. of fun. And I think it kind of feeds into the writer mentality. I think authors, writers are uh, oftentimes people on the outside looking in. Um, and so, you know, if we, if we moved to a new area of the country, we lived in Canada for a while, um, you know, the deep South, uh, Washington, DC, you know, it was a lot of fun to get to these places and kind of be in a sense on the outside looking in and, and just enjoying it in a way that I think if you grew up in Washington or if you grew up in Canada, you know, you might not see things the same way. And, um, so, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. It, it was, you know, a lot of fun and, and it really kind of, kind of feeds the muse, you know, to have these new experiences and just try something new. All right. So you mentioned a couple of forms of broadcasting. What all forms of broadcasting did you do? Most of my work was before the whole advent of podcasts. I, I'm loving the whole uh, podcast movement. Um, you know, a lot like self-publishing, you know, you can really get in there and, yeah. and explore what you want to explore. And, and I'm loving that. Uh, when I was in high school and then college, radio is what I really wanted to do. Um, uh, you know, we were kind of seeing the, the death of local radio um, because of certain legislation in the late 80s and early 90s. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm like drawn to a 
to an underdog cause. <laughs> but, um, you know, radio just was really on fire uh, for, you know, for, for genre radio, you know, top 40 or um, classical radio or, uh, and that, that pulled me into, um, um, you know, you know, uh, like writing, writing promo uh, um, for radio, putting together um, promo opportunities where you're promoting your radio station, uh, working with the sales team to promote what they've got going on, um, DJing to a certain extent, um, nice. those types of things. But um, it wasn't as it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it was going to be. Uh, and so um, I also on the uh, uh, as I was trying to get started in radio, uh, I was working uh, in Canada at uh, a local station, a regional station uh, that was an affiliate of one of their um, big networks. And I really got to hone my skills, um, uh, you know, shooting on location, um, audio, um, assistant directing. Um, I, I would um, they would send in um, like members of parliament to come on our, you know, to come on the talk show that I was working on. And I would have no idea who this, you know, super important person was. And they'd be like, oh, you know, everyone would be nervous. And they'd hand me the, like all the mic gear and they'd say, go mic up. You know, the member of parliament, we're too scared to get near, you know, that was a lot of fun. I'm like, I don't know who you are, but I'm going right. to mic you up. <laughs> you know, and um, uh, um, sports celebrities who, I, I didn't know who this one guy was. He was a huge, big name in hockey. And, and he's like, have we met? And I'm thinking, who is this guy? And I, you know, and I'm like, I bet you just say that to everyone. And he looked oh. at me like crazy, you know, just because I didn't know who he was, you know. And yeah. so it was a lot of fun to work in that environment and um, really hone my video editing skills, um, those types of things. Um, but radio is what I thought I really wanted to do. And after I did radio, we moved again. And I thought, you know what? I miss that that television experience that I had um, in Canada. So um, threw my hat in the ring for local news, and uh, you know, floor direction. Um, gosh, you know, more camera work, lots of video editing, and because I had transferable skills, you know, soon I was, you know, you know, writing content, and um, and then I became a producer. I was a news producer. Um, and you, you work with a news director, you know, what's the show going to look like? What kind of opening are we going to have? You know, how long are the segments going to be? Um, you know, and some of that's driven by, you need to have commercials in there cause that's what pays the bills, but mm -hmm. you know, what, you know, where are you going to put your weather? What kinds of, you know, what is this, what do you want your news station to be known for? Um, you know, is it, is it, you know, that first thing in the morning you, you've got two or three live um, reporters out on the street, well, you have to write, you know, to that, you know, is it that you always want to be first with news? You want to be known in your town for being first with news? You have to write to that um, and structure structure your show to that. So, um, yeah, so I did a lot of those kinds of things in broadcasting and, and really enjoyed it, but the hours are terrible. Oh, I bet. Uh, yeah, just terrible. And when we moved again, I said to my husband, you know, what if I don't do that anymore? And he just had the <laughs> biggest grin, you know, <laughs> and I thought, well, there we go. So we won't do that anymore. So, nice. yeah. yeah. All right. Well, okay. So to that, I mean, you're, you're telling me all this stuff that goes into it. I mean, it's crazy. I can't 
imagine, I mean, you know, we've all watched Anchorman and we know how many, <laughs> how many people were behind the scenes on those, you know, in those scenes and whatever, but for, okay. So roughly for every journalist or broad, um, you know, anchor, whoever that you see on screen or, or mm-hmm. you hear on the radio, a person that's, you know, talking, having a new show or, or however you want to, um, news or whatever kind of show, how many people are behind the scenes making this work so this person can just sit there and look pretty and talk? <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends on how you want to how you want to count it, right? If you okay. see um, a reporter, you know, that's out at the traffic accident, that's going to take a minimum of two, right? He or she mm-hmm. probably has someone with them. And then back at the studio, um, she probably has eight, you know, maybe about eight people supporting that. And then outside the broadcast booth, there's probably two or three more people that are engineer types that are making sure it, it goes out over the air, you know, you know, through the antenna, through the cable, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, you've got upstairs, you've got the, um, you know, the executives who decided that, you know, that you want to do these kind of remotes and and have be that kind of news station. So you've got maybe three or four executives deciding that. And then you maybe have a team of, um, you know, it could be anywhere. It could be small three or four to something large, like 20 salespersons who are, you know, selling the commercial time that, that enables a a news station to bring you local news. So, you know, it starts with two and it, goes from there. So that's cr- okay. So that was way more than I thought. I mean, I'm just, I'm going off of Anchorman here. <laughs> that's, a, that's my <laughs> frame of reference, but you know, that is crazy how many people, you know, and it just goes to show, you know, how much advertising costs on, you know, the other end yeah. of the spectrum, why it costs so much is because you're paying all these people to make this nice end product for you to watch. And yeah. we really don't appreciate it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, out of all those cool jobs, what was your favorite? What did you like the best to do? Oh gosh. I, um, I think I really liked being a news producer. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, you could field guests and, and, um, get to decide, you know, you know, gee, wouldn't it be awesome if we talked to, you know, the, uh, you know, a person in this kind of job and you could go out and get them, you know, whether it's the, you know, the folks at the, local animal shelter, you know, to bring their pets on, or, you know, you could kind of make those decisions, you know, authors, you could say, wow, this is a great book. Let's get that author and have them come in, you know, and sit down. Um, so that was fun. Um, you know, and, and you can shape the show and that's fun too. You decide what video, uh, very often you want to use, um, in conjunction with an assignment editor, you can decide, you know, gosh, the, you know, the, you, you know, the, you know, there's a marathon raising money for, you know, cancer research. Let's make sure we send, you know, two people down to that. And you could kind of make those kind of decisions. And, um, and that was a lot of fun. It was stressful. Well, yeah, but it was <laughs> fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So in closing, how has being on the wrong side of 40 changed your outlook on what you do or presented you with newer, different challenges? And this can be work or life or, health or just any, any wrong side of 40 challenge, you, you know, now that we've talked about your career, you can talk about that or, or just basically anything. Cause it, it really changes things. I mean, I've been noticing. Yeah. You do kind of realize, well, it's kind of now or never, isn't it? Right. Like if there's something yeah. that you're wanting to do, right. Like you've been wanting to start a podcast or you've been exactly. wanting to 
(laughs) write a novel or, you know, you start thinking, wow, well, if I don't do it now, when am I going to, when am I going to do it? You know? Um, So yeah. Yeah. It it changes your perspective. I think being on the wrong side of 40. Definitely. (laughs) So outside of your work and writing, what's your biggest passion? Probably my dogs. I have a pair of dogs. dogs. (laughs) (laughs) They're my buddies. Yeah. We go, go to the park, go on the trails, you know? So yeah. Read to them, you know? Oh yeah. They're They're definitely your babies. (laughs) What is next for you? Is it an author thing? Is it a, a professor thing? What, what is the next big thing you have going? Uh, I'm teaching less these days. Um, sometimes I'll do a workshop or something like that, but, um, we didn't even talk about that, that, but that's, Oh no, we didn't. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Great. No, that's great. Um, so I'm doing less teaching these days. Um, I'm trying to kind of ramp up, uh, my writing again. Um, uh, my mom had had some health challenges and yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, my mom had had some health challenges and that kind of, and, and my in-laws, you know, had had some situations. So that kind of, you know, kind of, you know, you have to take time for that. So um, yeah, I just sent a manuscript, a new manuscript to my agent. So we'll see what happens. Awesome. And um, I'm working on something else right now that um, I've promised to send to her uh, in, a, in a few months. So, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. So writing, writing, writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we always do at the end of our interview, a lightning round was just some very fun questions. So Nicole's lightning round is going to start right now. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. What is your guilty pleasure? Chocolate. Oh, same. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Your favorite childhood game. Clue. Oh, same. Wow. (laughs) All right. What is your favorite uh, adult game? Ah, uh, I had a hard time thinking of one. I like to watch curling. I like to watch hockey, but I'm thinking that might need, mean I need to play more because I don't really have a favorite adult game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love curling too, by the way. <laughs> we were all set up to go to Canada right like right when the COVID lockdown hit. We had this whole trip planned. We went to, we were going to go to Banff and on my birthday, which is always on spring break, we were going to, we had reservations to do curling in Canada, oh, ah. oh. but then we couldn't go. So I have yet oh. to curl, but I think there's a place in Nashville that you can curl. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we need to go down there. That's not too far from here, but anyway, well, that would be awesome. That would be <laughs> all right. So back to the lightning. We're not very, we're not very lightning today. Are we? <laughs> <laughs> so favorite childhood TV show. Oh gosh. Oh, I, um, 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 lightning, uh, Wonder Woman, probably. Um, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Those old, you know, 1970s, early 1980s Wonder Woman. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Current binge series. Or do you uh, binge? I have been, yes. <laughs> I, binge, I binge a lot of things. Um, right now we're in the middle of Corner Gas, which is actually a Canadian show, um, set in Saskatchewan. Um, but I could not get enough of Only Murders in the Building. <gasps> Me too. <laughs> what is this? We have the same answers. <laughs> that's why we're friends, right? Yes, that must why. be why that we're friends. <sighs> so I can't right. wait for more of that. More, more Only Murders in the Building. Come on, yes. you know. <laughs> <laughs> get it done. <laughs> right. All right. So best thing about being on the wrong side of 40? 
Um, perspective. I think you have better perspective. Yeah. yeah. All right. And the worst thing? Aging parents. Yeah. yeah. All right. So where, last question, where do you want to retire? I don't know that I'm ever going to retire, really. Oh, <laughs> I guess you could write forever. You could write forever. That's a, sure. that's a thing you can do. Sure. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. So where can listeners connect with you online? Uh, I love Twitter. So you can find me oh. at Nick Kristoff. That's N-I-C. Christoff, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-F. Uh, and I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram. That's the same, pretty much the same handle for Instagram. And of course, uh, com is my website. Awesome. And where can we find your Jamie Sinclair series? Uh, everywhere ebooks are sold. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, for your Kindle, for your Nook, for your any kind of reader. Um yeah, you can find it everywhere. So. Great. Your library, you can find it at your library. Oh, awesome. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So anywhere, definitely anywhere. We'll definitely go get the Jamie Sinclair novels, read them all because they are wonderful and they are so much fun and 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 very mysterious. I mean, you have to think about, I mean, I never figured out who was the killer or anything like that. You had, <laughs> <laughs> it's very twisty and, and a little dark, but not too dark. I hope not. I hope not too dark. Yes. Yeah. No, just absolutely perfect. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you so much, Nicole, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for Nicole. Bye, Nicole. Bye. Looking for a new series for the next time you want to Netflix and chill or Hulu and hang or Disney plus and well, you get the idea. Here's your weekly dose of binge worthy TV. All right, I have got Carrie Olzak here with me on a Zoom call, and Carrie is a self-proclaimed binge aficionado, right, Carrie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah. All right, so, so we're going to do two Netflix series today, uh, Stranger Things and Firefly Lane. Uh, Stranger Things is her total nostalgia binge pick. Firefly okay. Lane is her flashback nostalgia binge pick, and we're going to start with Stranger Things... Why do you love it and why should we watch it if we're not already watching it? I love it because it really does take me back to being a kid in the 80s. It just, it's, it's total nostalgia. I, I, I remember everything that I see <laughs> on that show and that's the main reason I love it. But also uh, the, the kids on that show are just great. It's, they just do great performances. Cool. So are there any of your, of the, any of this nostalgia things that we've talked about, you know, in our nostalgia segments, have you noticed anything? I mean, do they have the uh, Odyssey 2 plus video gaming system or do they have the Atari? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I, I would have to watch it again, which I'm happy to watch it again. But I'm pretty sure if there was a gaming system, it would have been an Atari. But when they do video games, it's at an arcade. That, oh, okay. So do they have so, a favorite? Do they like do Street Fighter or? Um, you know, I remember watching, do you remember Dragon Slayer? Yes. Yeah, they, they touched on that for a little bit and they okay. kind of, they poked at the comedy of that. Like nobody could ever win that. Everybody. Oh yeah, especially not me. <laughs> failed immediately in that game. And that's kind of one of the funny things they touch on. <laughs> All right. So what, what season are we on now for Stranger Things? I mean, it's farther along. Um, there have been three seasons, and it was just announced the fourth season is coming out at the end of May. Okay, May 2022. 
just in case anybody's yes. listening to this, you know, like very far in a different year, yes, definitely <laughs> far into the future. Yeah. All right. So definitely look at stranger things and I need to take a look at it because I have never watched it and I've always wanted, I've always wanted to it's always been on my list, but I've always, you know, like something else has always slid in there first. It's really good. All right. Okay. So we're going to go on to Firefly Lane. Can you tell us a little bit about Firefly Lane? Cause I don't think I am familiar with that at all. Firefly Lane. I heard about that one because uh, one of the main actresses is Sarah Chalk, who was on Scrubs. She played Elliot on Scrubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And I really like her. And I said, oh, I'll give this show a chance. And it's it's about a friendship between uh, two women. Oh, is it her and Catherine Heigl? Is that who it is? Or It is, yes. Okay, all right. I just looked it <laughs> and, up, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, and it spans a couple decades. Like, they, I, I don't know how they managed this, but they played themselves in, like, the 90s. Ooh. They did younger actresses to play them as children when they met in the sure. 80s but they they kind of that they they put them in the 90s decade as well playing them. I wonder <laughs> it's a, it was a little it was back kind back. of a stretch in some places but still was an enjoyable show but it's fun to watch their friendship spanning these different decades cool all right so so do you feel like both of these shows really like put forward their their best rendition of like not 80s and 90s nostalgia and like are they accurate i would say stranger things is more accurate than yeah i think that's kind of their thing and that's for being like so incredibly like perfectly accurate yeah um but but firefly lane still it's a fun time i i think well yeah (laughs) sure all right so if you like the 80s and the 90s go back and watch stranger things and firefly lane on netflix thanks carrie no problem We have Lena Stagg in the studio today. Hi, Lena. Hello, Caroline. So good to see you. You too. A little bit about Lena. She's a small town girl who grew up in Missouri, and her crazy path of life led her to wind up in Evansville, Indiana. She raised three kids who are on their own now, and she has an additional five bonus children and seven grandchildren as a result of her blended family. The kids are her greatest pride and joy, but a close second would be her collection of rock and roll themed cookbooks in the Recipe Records cookbook series. The books are a clever twist of food and music designed to turn up the beat in the kitchen. And if you haven't had any recipes out of there, they are amazing. She co-authored the first book with her best friend of 14 years, who suddenly died shortly after the book was published. That event led her to write a children's, and actually she calls it a kid adult book because it does deal with grief, book called Little Dog in the Sun. And another twist on the path of life led her to buy a failing gym during a pandemic, no less, with her husband, which is what we're going to talk about today. Lena, what made you decide it was time to embark on a new business? Well, it certainly was not my idea, nor was it in my plan of life to purchase a gym, especially during a pandemic. <laughs> um, but my husband, our, the gym is a is an iconic gym and legendary for Evansville and for Indiana, actually. Mm-hmm. And he had been going to that gym since 1980. Oh, wow. And was trained by the gentleman that started the gym, Dick Connor. And... So when the the owners of the gym announced that they were closing the doors, my husband came home and said, do you think we can buy the pit? And, you know, he's always worked out there and, 
you know, there had been times that we floated the idea of starting our own little gym mm-hmm. because he missed having that on our side of town. The new gym okay. had moved and it was on the big side of town. <laughs> so <laughs> he, um, it wasn't so far out there that um, that wasn't a far out request. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, you know, maybe well, let's, let's see what we can do. And he went and spoke with the owner and and was able to strike up a deal, and we had a gym. Not only do you own a gym, but you have got into the world of competitive weightlifting. So did you ever, I mean, the gym was a little bit of a departure from your normal business practice, not so much for your husband, but maybe for you. Um, but, But let me, let me, State this though, Lena is the cutest, most in shape person. Oh. We're on the wrong side of forty I've ever seen. So it's not like <laughs> it's not like she is a stranger to to any kind of fitness. But anyway, but she just you obviously didn't do the competitive weight training before I ever knew you. But this is like this is like amazing. Uh, well, <laughs> it it was all I, I had said it before we started the show. It was a happy accident. Mm-hmm. I never was like a serious exercise person. Mm -hmm. Mainly when you're raising your family, you're the one that gets put last. Mm -hmm. Everyone else's health and well-being is first. Mm -hmm. So we feel guilty going to the gym for an hour at night. And it's real interesting because in the gym, the men are there every night working out. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, your your wife is at home busting her Uh butt to... Make sure that the snacks are ready for school the next day mm-hmm. and the kids are getting fed and bathed. And and so we have so much responsibility on our shoulders mm-hmm. that our health usually is the last thing that oh, yeah. is, is thought about. So I never did real serious working out and I had never lifted a weight ever in my life. Oh, and wow. My dad has always power lifted mm. since the 60s. Okay. And so there was always weights in my house, but I just never picked them up. <laughs> I didn't have any desire. I thought it wasn't um, girly enough. And, you know, I, I did not see any benefit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started working at the gym every day, I would observe. Mm-hmm. And I started having... I wanted to be able to reach women my age, mm-hmm. over 40, and I'm actually over 55, but I'd like, <laughs> I wanted to reach women that could get in and do a simple workout fast mm-hmm. in not, and only spend like one day in the gym. Okay. And so there is a method of doing that mm-hmm. that is very effective. And it helps your your bones, your joints, your muscles, and your mental health. Okay. So when I started working with women and doing that, it just progressed into working more of the weights. And someone said, well, I want to learn how to deadlift. Okay. I'm like, well, okay, let's, let's get somebody to show us how. Mm-hmm. Well, I had had chronic bursitis in my hip for years and been going to a chiropractor twice a week. And so with that, knowing that, I started doing a little bit of deadlifting with some other people to learn. And and I started to notice my, my hip pain went away. Oh, wow. And if I did this once a week, 
my hip pain didn't come back. Nice. And so that drove me. I mean, the the hip pain on some days I would I would be crying if mm-hmm. I had to walk down the aisle. And so I started to notice, and, and my husband was like, well, of course it helps. I'm like, well, of course, why didn't you tell me it would help? <laughs> and he said, what's happening is when you're, you have that weight and your, your, your hips are holding up that weight, mm-hmm. your arms are holding it, but your, your, your hips are taking the brunt of it. It's driving, it's forcing blood to go to that area and to work and makes your muscles and your joints work mm-hmm. like they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so he's it's like, well, it makes total sense. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. So I had been doing um, like a deadlift workout and a squat workout and a bench workout once a week for only, I don't know, a month or mm-hmm. six weeks. And then there was a meet at the gym. And they said, hey, Lena, if you enter the meet in your weight class... We there's nobody else in the weight class, so you'll win, <laughs> nice. and we'll get 12 points, cool. <laughs> and we'll win the team trophy. So I'm like, okay, I'm all about the team. Sure. I'm all about getting the points. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, I'll do that. So um, I, I entered, and but it was only a bench press and deadlift. So no, when you say deadlift, we know bench press. Well, I mean, I'm sure most people know bench press, but you lie on a bench and press above your head, right? But a deadlift is. So the the bar and the and the, the weights are on the bar on the ground mm-hmm. and you bend down in the perfect most perfect way you can <laughs> bend down and lift it up off of the ground. Okay. So and then you let it back down. It's to not where like your arms are like straight. Yes. The, your so your you're not lifting it over your head. No. So you're lifting it from just from the ground, ground. up to like your hips. Okay. All right. And and then you put it back down. All right. So yeah, Olympic lifting is where they jump up and throw it over Hold their it over head, head. <laughs> and, and they're getting ready to ban that from the Olympics. Really? So that tells you okay. <laughs> how it's too dangerous sure. to be doing that. So there, people are in very tip top shape to be able to do that, but it is really, really hard on your knees. Well, it looks terrible because yeah. you see the veins popping out of their forehead while they're, <laughs> and they're the best athletes in the world and they're right. like dying doing it. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So those, those are the, were the lifts that I, I entered in and oddly enough, side story, there was a lady that, that came in like two hours before the meet and entered in my weight class. No. And, <laughs> and her, her opening weight was a hundred pounds over my opening weight. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I guess we're going to be good with six points for second place. Well, there you go. There you go. That worked. So that what is cool. your personal record? Like what, what do you? So for my bench press that day, my, you, you do it three times. Okay. So my last one, I, I got all of my lifts. So my last bench press was 85 pounds. Nice. And then on deadlift, my 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 top deadlift, I got all three tries. Um, it was 188 pounds. Oh, my goodness. So, well, and another thing about Lena, she probably weighs 125 pounds soaking wet, if that. A little more. A little more. <laughs> but, I mean, a little more. So this is like she's lifting herself and someone else. Yeah. <laughs> a small child. <laughs> That's amazing. It, it, it really, um, 
It's not really that amazing, but it was amazing <laughs> for me. And and my dad was so happy. Aww. And he sent me a card and Aww, you can nice. do it. That's and, great. You know, he was so happy. So that's a whole new different culture that mm-hmm. I've never been exposed to. I'm, sure. Mike's lifted for years. He's the president of the American Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Oh my so goodness. I've been I around that. That's this. That's cool. <laughs> oh yes. I've been around it. I know and see all of these strong women mm-hmm. and... Um, so I'm, I'm way far away from any of that, but it, it would, it, for me, it was about getting the team points first of all, but it was empowering. But I also did not want, I was competitive enough that I didn't want to miss any of my lifts. Sure. So I like hunkered down and focused and Mm -hmm. got mean and thought about things that made me really mad. (laughs) Then I really lifted it up. There you go. All right. So, So on the flip side of that. Did you do you take any certain precautions to protect your body while you're training? Like, do you have to take for if you're doing like, like a huge 180 pound deadlift? Do you have to do something different than if you're like, you know, doing your 15 reps of maybe 15 to 20 pound dumbbells, right. you know, it, free weights or whatever? What what's the difference in the two? So I'm I'm learning so much, and and Coach Dick Connor, who is now 84 years old, mm-hmm. he comes in the gym twice a week, and he works out, uh-huh. and he still trains people. Nice. I learn everything from him. I just I just absorb everything he says. Mm-hmm. And we're also writing a book about his history and nice. the history of the gym. So I'm absorbing everything about this whole world of lifting. And what he says is, you work out in the gym. To find out what you can do. Okay. No, 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 no. To do what um, your body is designed to do mm-hmm. and, and just to do the work. And then you compete to find out what you can do. Okay. And um, so in that, you never do those top lifts in the gym. Oh, you do? Okay. All right. No. And... My husband gets so mad at these kids that are in there squatting big, big weight. And he's like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. You um, you do lower weight for, for reps. Okay. And, and you just keep, you just slowly build. So the okay. ladies I train, I've got a whole bunch of ladies that are doing these powerlifting mm-hmm. training. And so we only go up five pounds every week on each lift. Okay. And there's a calculator, this magical thing out there on the internet. <laughs> of course, that there's something. <laughs> you can put in your weight, in your age, and how much you do for reps today. Like I did 130 uh, for 12 reps. So then it does the calculation and it comes out and says, well, that was like lifting 185 pounds. Okay, just one time. Run one time. All yeah. right, okay. So it's really interesting. That is interesting. There's a whole science to all of it. Okay. But but what the 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 most important part of it for me and um, the ladies that, that I'm training and working with is the benefit of the the muscle strength and the bone um, bone strength. Mm-hmm. It helps with uh, to combat osteoporosis. Yes. And really, there's just so much uh, science and studies done on the benefits of weightlifting for women mm-hmm. over 40. Nice. It's outstanding. And I highly recommend it. Very but good. you don't have to be crazy and you don't have to be intimidated by other people that are in there doing it. Yeah. Um, that, that's that's a hard part of working out in a yeah. gym is that, you know, you see these other people lifting these big weights and you're here with the tiny ones going, 
Right. Am I doing enough? Am I, right. am I doing the right thing? So we've tried really hard to have a culture at our gym that is welcoming for everybody and that can um, and try to make everyone welcome mm-hmm. and 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 be comfortable with yeah. all areas of the gym, get them mm-hmm. used to using certain machines and mm-hmm. used to, so you don't feel intimidated every time you come in and you don't know what that machine is for. And, and it's, I never knew what any of those machines were for. <laughs> yeah. I had been to the gym like twice before we bought oh, it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was on the treadmill. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> okay. No, I think you have done that. I mean, the and I will take belly dance class. You also <laughs> offer classes. It's not just just weightlifting, but when I go in for belly dance class at Pitt, it it is welcoming. And of course, you always see Lena at the front desk, and of course, she's welcoming. But but yeah, I mean, the people that are in there are always kind of like, hey, what's up? You know, yeah. they're they're yeah, they're, they're nice, really nice nice people. You know, when you walk through, it's not like they're not just sitting there with their mad face on, just doing reps and, right. and stuff like that. It's right. it's a nice it's a nice but you feel safe when you go in there, right? You know. Good. Yeah, you don't feel like you're being judged. Yeah, you know, and that's I, important. I, there's people come in there and work out in their jeans and their boots, and mm-hmm. nobody cares. Yeah, you know, that's good. That's uh, really good. So we love it. All right. So, what is something that your business has done that you did not expect? And I mean, I don't mean like pandemic related necessarily, but like something um, just you, so, you didn't even see coming. Well, when we bought the gym. There was about 200 members. Mm-hmm. Everybody's name was on a card and, okay. and in pencil. And <laughs> um, it was very old school. Mm-hmm. It was great, but it was a large gym that they had built. But technology hadn't been kept up with. So the past two years, I've been trying to transition to better technology okay. um, in, in the gym. But we went. We we had about two hundred members when we bought it, mm-hmm. and now we're up to almost five hundred members. Oh wow, that's so great! It's it that's been good for been you. Great, yes. It's it's we're really proud of that, and and that's it's not been, been that long. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half. So, do you see any trends in the the gym or weightlifting industry that are coming up? And what do you think the future looks like? I mean, I know you said that. They're possibly going to ban the over-the-head lift mm-hmm. in the Olympics. Are, is there anything else, like, kind of on the horizon? You know, the um, the steroid situation has always been a big thing. Okay. Um, we try really hard. So my husband's the president of the Drug-Free Powerlifting Federation. Mm-hmm. So we, we frown on it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We can't control what people want to do, mm-hmm. but we try really hard. We have a lot of young athletes and young students in there. Mm-hmm. So we try really hard to make sure they're not um, fooled by what they see Good. in media mm-hmm. and read in media and try to give them, because they might not have um, someone at home whispering mm-hmm. in their ear that that's wrong. Sure. And so we try really hard to... Um, influence them to to do it the right way. All right. So in closing, just congratulations on opening another gym in our area. That's amazing. Uh, So what have you had to do to ramp up to be able to staff and maintain another location, a second place? Well, it is uh, a day-to-day chaotic um, mess. (laughs) (laughs) So we we purchased um, another building because, you know, we don't know, uh, we have three years left on the lease where we're at, 
and we don't know if we'll continue that or not. Mm-hmm. It's financially a real stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, so we bought another building, and we're going to just open the second location and service that. And if you're a member at one, you're a member at the other. Okay. And eventually, uh, when another tenant moves out, we're going to open it up and make that one bigger. Okay. And then in three years, if things aren't where we feel they should be, we'll move the entire gym back okay. downtown. Okay. So there's plenty of space there. And mm-hmm. there's also opportunity for other health and fitness um, businesses that we want to put in this complex. Oh, We've okay. got spaces for a yoga studio or a nice. m- massage therapist and, and that kind of thing. Wow. Smoothie bar. I love a smoothie coffee bar. All right. Mm. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So has being on the wrong side of 40 as a new business owner and weightlifter presented you with challenges or do you think your life experience carries more weight <laughs> carries more weight. Ah. <laughs> such such good questions here in your success. So I, I always feel like every experience that you have leads you and and gives you the knowledge um, to pursue new things. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm 55, so I've been feeling tired for a long time. <laughs> so it's not do, new. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I um, now feel like... You know, after 40, you can start to focus a little more on yourself. Mm -hmm, And you um, are more comfortable in your skin. Mm -hmm. And you don't beat yourself up as as much. I think when you're younger, you're so influenced by media and um, what your neighbor is doing. Mm -hmm. So I I think when you get over 40, you start to tend to be, that doesn't matter. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And... Yeah, I'm not saying you don't still have those times that you um, second guess or you, you wish you didn't look like this and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, definitely the, the older you get, the, the less crap you take off people. That's No, I found that to be the case, definitely, for sure. All right, so now we're up to the point where we do the wrong side of 40 lightning round. Yay. Are you ready? Yay, yes. All right, first question. What is your guilty pleasure? Okay. Um, today, my guilty pleasure would be Wrigley's Spearmint Gum. All right. And Full sugar. Fruit. Full sugar. Complete sugar. <laughs> Complete sugar. Awesome. I have wrappers all over the place. It drives people bananas. <laughs> all right. So let's go back a little bit. What about your favorite childhood toy? You know, um, I probably, it, it was probably my bicycle. Mm-hmm. If if I were in trouble, my mom would ground me from the bicycle. And that oh, was... that hurt. That was pain. Okay. I, it, it didn't matter if it was snow or sun. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. I was on my bicycle all nice. the time. Nice. All right. So favorite adult gadget? So I am very late to the game. My best friend gave me a coffee grinder for my birthday Ooh. in November and that has changed my life. Oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh my gosh, I had no idea a what it was. A good grinder missing. is your best friend. <laughs> oh, and and that that is my favorite um, gadget All right. today. All right, favorite childhood movie. Probably The Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Even though the monkeys really freaked me out. Um, that would that would have to be my All right. my favorite childhood movie. Yeah, they were a little scary. They were a little a little crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and your favorite movie now? 
So my favorite movie for the last 20 years, maybe, has been uh, Disney's Miracle about the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah. won okay. uh, nice. the gold medal. Mm-hmm. That, uh, oh, it's great. And those boys are so cute. <laughs> oh, so cute. <laughs> and the most surprising thing about being on the wrong side of 40? Um, probably knowing that I have a little more time to work on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I can let things go. Okay. I, I I haven't vacuumed my house since before Christmas, and I don't uh, care. You know, yeah, I mean... <laughs> who cares? We, we vacuumed before you and my last <laughs> guest came over, and I cannot recall the last time I vacuumed, vacuumed anything. And, and the house isn't going to fall down. It is not. Um, you know, nobody cares. Yeah. So why should I care? Exactly. So Well, and then, you know... We talked about the pandemic a lot this time, which I'm normally not a big talker about the pandemic, but it was it was really like important in your story and all that. But like I think we have just been so like nobody comes over anymore. So it's like, why right. should I bother? Why should I vacuum? Exactly. Why should I dust? It's gonna be there tomorrow. It's gonna get more of it, you know, next week. <laughs> Who cares? Exactly. Okay. So anyway, no more pandemic talk. Yeah. So all right, so the most disturbing thing about being on the wrong side of forty. Wrinkles. Wrinkles are bad. Wrinkles, wrinkles, wrinkles. Are wrinkles. So bad. And I spend an exorbitant amount of money on wrinkle cream. Mm-hmm. So I'm still trying to find what it is that will the perfect wrinkle cream. fix that. All right. And I, I don't I'm against doing surgery for mm-hmm. myself. I just if anyone's gonna have a reaction, it's gonna be me. Oh. So I'm not gonna do that, I don't think. But uh, wrinkles are a killer, and and falling asleep on the bi- on the sofa at eight thirty while I'm watching TV. Oh yeah, that that really bums me out, and yes. I wake up all, all slobbery and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a grandma. Honestly, I've leaned into that, and I bought one of those neck pillows. Oh. And it's so nice because you don't drool on the neck pillow because you're in the right spot. <laughs> you are my hero. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. So where do you want to retire? Or or do you uh, want to ever retire? Do you want to just, you know, yeah, kick it at the gym until you're Yeah, 100? I would like for someone else to do all the work and I'll there just go. walk around. Nice. And, um, that's a good. And I'll go read good thing to do. when I want. Um, All right. I don't care where. I want to be able to go see my kids. And since we have an internet, it doesn't really matter where we're at. We that's can still true. write. We can still mm-hmm. reach out to people, mm-hmm. and we can we can still do all of these things as long as we have the internet. Nice. So. All right. So where can we find the Pit Barbell Club? The Pit Barbell Club is on Facebook. And Instagram. We also have a YouTube page, awesome. and it's all of those are the Pit Barbell Club. And we are in Evansville at 5221 Oak Grove Road. You can stop in for a free training session and a day pass. Nice. If you are listening to the show and live in the area, please come in because I love to show people around and um, and and talk about what what we can do. And, and it's just small bites, small bites. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I've done with a lot of people, just very small, um, trying it once a week, and then people graduate to two, three, four times a week. Nice. So, 
All right. Well, thank you so much for being on here, Lena. I appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you as always. Awesome. You're great. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I think I'll just stay here. This segment of I Think I'll Just Stay Here and Drink is the herbal tea edition. And I have my friend Jean Pace here. Jean is an author and a yogi, and she is an herbal tea expert. She doesn't think she is, but I think she is. She knows a lot about herbal tea. So we are going to go through a couple of these things. We're going to sip them, and we're going to see how we like them. And uh, we're just going to sit here and drink. Stay here and drink. I always say sit. I, 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 <laughs> I think we that's how sitting. the song goes. We yeah. are sitting. Okay. So, Jean, what are your favorite brands and flavors? Okay. So brand I am a little less loyal to, but I love Stash and I like Tezo quite a bit. So those are my two favorite brands. All right. And then flavors. What What is your your particular oh, favorite? That is a really tough one. I think my number one favorite is Stash's Licorice Spice. Ooh. It might sound scary if you're not a licorice lover. It does sound scary. <laughs> Don't be a hater. It's so good. It's delicious. All right. So um, Stash over Tezo for you, is it... Is it the well? And this of flavor? specific flavor in Stash, mm-hmm. and I I don't know. I haven't found it this flavor in another brand, but mm-hmm. just that brand, that flavor, mm, okay. my favorite, number one. All right. Is there any better like that you like better, like the the tea bag, or is it a little tea sachet? I've seen. It those. is a bag. Okay. It is a bag, and I do like the bag, but it does have the little string with the little paper, no right. metal, which is nice because then you can pop it in the microwave if it gets cold. Oh, nice. Okay. And so, are you a loose leaf or a bag fan? I like them both. Okay. I drink them both. All right. So, do do these have any certain properties to them? Like, are they calming? Are they energizing? Any of that stuff? Not necessarily. I do have a hibiscus tea here, and you can see it is pink. It is gorgeous. It is supposed to be higher in iron. Now, if you look at the box, it doesn't list iron. So, I'm going to just put a disclaimer here and say, the internet told me so. <laughs> it is supposed to be a, an iron boost. So hibiscus is supposed to be good for you with iron. Um, right. The others, not necessarily. You can always do chamomile for a nice relaxation. Okay. Um, ginger and peppermint should boost you up. And truly, if my throat is sore, I love peppermint with lemon and honey. It's very soothing. You can even add a little ginger Okay. Really nice. All right. So let's sip the Tezo Passion. Is that what it is? Yes. That's and that what is, it is. And tell me again what it's flavored is with. Is primarily a hibiscus tea. Okay. So let me check this packet so I don't get it wrong. But it has, well, maybe I won't check the packet. Yes, I will. It has hibiscus, which are these pink flowers. I didn't drink hibiscus tea. I'm not kidding, till this year. Oh, okay. And then I read about the iron and I was like, huh, I'm going to try it. It is the most beautiful tea mm-hmm. you will ever see. And this Tezo in particular, gorgeous. Okay. So if you want some pretty for your next tea party, <laughs> this is the one. Your little All girl, right. she's going to love this. But the hibiscus, and then it has um, a little licorice root also. Apparently, I'm a sucker for that. Orange peel, cinnamon, rose hips, lemongrass. Um, and a little elderberry extract, which also gives it a little bit of a color depth. Um all right, so let's let's try this. All right, here you go. Ooh, 
So I like it's it. got that like kind of almost, I was worried it would taste like flowers when I first right. tried it. But instead, it's got that vibrant, I don't want to use the word acidic because that's wrong, but a much more vibrant flavor than the mellow flowers. Like a chamomile mm-hmm. is a very mellow, mm-hmm. rose hips, a really mellow flowery flavor. Mm-hmm. But this has a much bigger pop so and I pink. love it. Yes, it does. It totally. This is your. This is your one. I notice your office a lot of pink. Yes, I have a lot of pink in the studio. That's my my. Uh, what palette is pink, gold, and white, mm. and a little black. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I like pink. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we're moving on to okay. stash licorice spice. Spice. Yeah. Okay. The licorice spice. Not a fan my of licorice. Number but one we'll favorite. I will You'll try. Have it. to try it. What I love about it is that it's a little sweet. And it's not just licorice. It's got the cinnamon, the orange peel, star anise, which I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anise, Mm -hmm. anise. Um, But this is kind of sweet. And this is going to sound weird, but it leaves a really nice taste in my mouth. Hmm. So once you drink it, sometimes when you drink tea, you kind of get a a tea breath. And Mm -hmm. I don't drink regular teas. I only drink herbal teas. But even so, you'll get a little tea breath. Sure. mm, This one leaves a really nice taste in your mouth, a really nice aftertaste in your mouth. And that's something I love about it. I don't know if that's cleansing. I don't know why it happens. Mm -hmm. But it's nice. So give it a try. All right. Let's try it. Hmm. What do you think? I'm just not a licorice or a star anise, however you say it, it. fan, but I appreciate the tea. And there's that sweetness. Like my Mm -hmm. daughter hates licorice. She loves this herbal tea. Okay. So, you know. It's there. It's a little surprising. It's a little surprising. It's not like eating licorice. It's like it's just different. You just gotta try it. It's different. Yes. Definitely something to try. Yes. Yes. All right, what do we have? And this final one is called rooibos, which is from South Africa. So it's Afrikaans, which is very similar to Dutch, which is a sweet spot in my heart because I lived in the Netherlands for a year and a half and um, speak Dutch a little bit still. Used to speak it (laughs) quite well. Um, Rooibos means red bush or red tree, and that's what this comes from. And I have heard, like I say, I don't drink traditional teas, um, but I have heard that this tastes more like a tea. So if you're trying to cut back on your caffeine, it's not, there's no caffeine in this. And so this may be a good tea for you to drink if you want a more traditional taste. I didn't realize that that was like herbal. I just thought it was regular tea. Yes. It's not. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Because I've had herbal tea. I didn't know how to say it, mm-hmm. but <laughs> Roy Bose. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think I did just think it was regular mm-hmm. tea. Yeah. Okay. So All it's right, got yeah. a really, and I do treat most tea I drink straight just as the tea. I don't usually add sugar or mm-hmm. any cream or creamers because I'm a purist. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I usually have to but, add a little sweetener, but definitely never any well, cream. Unless I'm going to make like a London mm-hmm, fog or something mm-hmm. like that. I could do that. I could handle that. And or I was going to say this rooibos, it is good plain, mm-hmm. but it's also really nice with a little honey and a little cream. And then yeah. it almost is like a dessert tea. It's really, nice. I mean, it's really a nice thing to eat after dinner mm-hmm. as just a little, hmm, that was a little honey and that's all I had, but it's really satisfying. All right. So well, let's try this. All right. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my favorite of the three, but I'm like a 
I'm not always into herbal tea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like it and I, I like certain ones, mm-hmm. but if you just hand me a bag of herbal tea and be like, okay, drink this versus like, just like black Pico, I might uh-huh. be more inclined to just be like, I'll oh, just have the regular tea. Yeah. Just, Cause yeah. I don't know what I'm getting into. I'm not always the most adventurous. I like to think I'm an adventurous eater, but when it comes to like spices, I'm not always. Yes. And the truth is with herbal teas, there is, I mean, as many plants as there are, there are herbal teas. And so you, I mean, oh, you're wow. going to get a lot of, yeah. you can tea anything. different, you can tea anything, <laughs> go out some, you know, dandelions, whatever you want. So you really do get a lot of flavors all the way from bitter to sweet. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so you can get a lot. And so you can get something that you're like, uh, mm-hmm. and when I was a kid, I, I couldn't stand herbal teas. I They were mm-hmm. like flavored water, which is what sure. my husband still calls them. <laughs> so, you know, it it could be an acquired taste. And you do get a lot of different ones. But these three are a great place to start if you want to start that, that right. journey. So if you do start to brew the tea and you've not really done it before, I mean, everybody's brewed tea. But like what is the best practice? What What's your like you always do this or whatever. I mean, and it works out the best. And you know, here I'm not a purist. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll even throw it in the microwave and that's fine. But ideally you have the tea in the bag or the, um, tea thingy and you pour the boiling water three to five minutes to steep and then it should be good to go. But I'm going to warn you, Mine is almost always too hot at mm-hmm. three to five minutes. After boiling water. Yeah. yeah. So, and I, if you have a teeny little, you know, English teacup, sure, it's going to be less cool. But if you pour it into your big old honking mug, mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty hot at five minutes. You can even drop a couple ice cubes in. Just mm-hmm. give it five minutes first and let it steep okay. for the three to five. Then drop, and I do like mine strong. Okay. Drop your ice cubes in if you want. Are you a... I heard one time that to properly steep tea, you have to cover it. Do you? You abide are by that? supposed to do that. Okay. I I don't. Oh, I'm not a purist okay. in that way. I just let it Fair do enough. its thing. But right. awesome. Well, they Jean, do. All the teapots have lids, and there's well, a that's reason. True. Teapots do have lids. There's that's, a reason. That's true. All right. Well, thank you, Jean, for being on here today to do. I think I'll just stay here and drink with me. Herbal <laughs> tea edition. Yay! All right. See you next time. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. If you love the show, please show us some love. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review Wrong Side of 40 wherever you get your podcasts. Next week's guests will be realtor extraordinaire Kayla Yeh and author Carolyn Ritter Aspenson, and we'll talk about everything from the crazy housing market to strawberry shortcake to emojis. Come back next week to hang out with me on the Wrong Side of 40. To get more information on the topics we discussed today, including product links and discount codes, visit carolinefarding.com slash wrongside of 40. That's carolinefarding.com slash wrongside of 40. For behind the scenes photos and videos, follow at wrongside of 40 on Instagram. Thanks for listening, you awesome Gen Xers. Mm-hmm.